This podcast is shareable. Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how-to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is shareable. Today's guest on Shareable is Lou Diamond. Lou Diamond is a highly sought-after speaker, connector, leadership, and performance mentor, and a podcaster. This dude's awesome, so you're really going to love this episode. He's a two-time best-selling author and the CEO of Thrive. Lou has made his life's work to help people, businesses, leaders, and brands thrive through the power of connecting. His boundless energy, innovative connecting tactics have helped hundreds of companies across the globe expand their sales, retain their clients, and build a thriving culture. Today, we're going to learn how to speak easy to connect, engage, and win with Lou Diamond. You're going to want to share this conversation after listening to it, of course, because it is going to be full of practical information on how you can have better conversations in every facet of your life. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Share. What is up, Lou Diamond? Welcome to Shareable, dude. Jeff Gibber, this is truly an honor and a pleasure to be here. In you know, the shareable environment. That means a lot coming from you because, um, you know, I respect you so much as a podcast host and just as a human being that for you to say that is an honor to come on my show actually does mean a lot. Um, so, I, dude, there's so much I want to catch up with you about. Uh, yeah, so many things. There's so many things to talk about. It's like I have this whole like episode flow that I want to take us through, but like you and me can just like talk. We can have great conversations, which I feel like is going to come up again and again. I feel that um, might be the theme of the show. It might be. <laughs> it might be. We might get there. But uh, let me let me start out the way I start people out. Um, and, uh, it's a big, it's a big profound question, but what is the dent you wish to make in the universe? What's the impact? What are you trying to do in this world? Wow. I want people to appreciate that when they connect with others, they're actually elevating and helping to change the whole world. That's a pretty big dent. Huh? It is. And, and you know what? It's, it's real when, like when you say it and I, I know you and I've read your stuff and I've heard you talk, that's real. Um, you say something in your book, we're going to get to all, we're going to get to all the yeah. things. You just wrote a book. You just put it out. It's your second one. Um, there it is uh, for those that are not on video. He just held up his book. Um, but you say in it, uh, what was the thing that you said? You said, um, uh, every conversation is a gift, right? Is yeah. that what the, that's what it was, right? Every conversation is a gift. And I have to say that in, in seeing how you approach conversations, not just when I've had the opportunity to talk with you on, on a show or whatever, but actually just watching you interact with other guests, it really comes through that you treat every, I never see you off. How is that possible that like, <laughs> this, I guess that's where I'm going with it. Like, and I have so much to talk to you about, but like, you're never off. You're always engaged in a conversation. You're always present. You're always interested. Yeah. How do you do it the way you do it? And, and by the way, thank you for that. And and I, I try to be, I, 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 I will, I think my wife might disagree with you. <laughs> well, you're not on camera at that point. Yes, yeah, so when so. I'm not on camera or not on the show, she might be, are you listening to me? Well, so, so 
to your point about every conversation is a gift, I, I, I think that is at the epicenter of one of the ways you need to be in what we'll call the speakeasy way. Like, Because I believe that to have great conversations, you don't need to say certain things or you're not, you don't need to do certain things. You have to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I actually do a routine where I actually I get myself into a mode ahead of every conversation that I have because I know one of the key things about a conversation is that I am grateful that I'm even having a conversation, that this conversation that we're having right now is a gift. It's I'm going to be able to learn something from you. You're going to be able to learn something from me. The listeners are going to be able to learn something altogether from our conversation in and of itself. And that is so important because it is every connection in our lives begins at a conversation. Every connection we make, people who do not know who I am, who are listening to Shareable right now, are making some kind of connection to Lou Diamond. And hopefully they'll they'll look me up and check me out or whatever it might be. That's part of the intent why I'm on your program. But, but even left, less selfishly, I'm hoping that they appreciate the gift of the conversation we have, that they're going to learn something from this. And if they take a conversation that they have and treat it like a gift, that it's like a blessing and, a, and, and be present in that moment, they're going to get so much more out of the conversation that they're having. And they're going to increase the likelihood that they will make a connection that will help them connect, engage, and win in every aspect of their own life. So I think the most shareable thing that we could do today, I really believe that the most shareable thing we can do today is investigate and interrogate the journey that got you to there. Because what you're talking about is such an uncommon way of being in conversations. It's very easy Mm -hmm. to be checked out in conversations. It's very easy to be completely consumed with what you want to get out of the conversation, not not, or or what you want to give to the other person in the conversation. But it's hard to sit in that seat of being open to the possibility of the conversation. There's so much there. And you have arrived at a point, and I'm sure it's from the hundreds of episodes you've done of Thrive Loud, but you've arrived at a point where it comes across as um, very natural, very effort, effortless. And I'm sure there wasn't always a point of that. So what I, here's what I'd like to do in this episode together is I actually want to unpack your story a little bit. I want to start kind of at the beginning, go through some of the different kind of plot points in your story, maybe some of the areas where you struggled and lessons learned. Yeah. Um, that I think is the most shareable thing we can do today. With that said, I do want to start off with just a couple quick hits, which is I want to I want to hit you with some quick shareables, things that you'd recommend to people, because yep. I think that this is a really good way for that. If people are listening, maybe they're not familiar with the show, they can get something valuable in the first like 10 minutes of the show. So spectacular. I like that. Yeah. I like you that take. Hey, let's get right to it. So right. uh, what's, uh, what's a book or something you've read recently that you think everybody should read? I just read, uh, it's right here. It's, I'm going to, hold on. I'm running off the stage. <laughs> share it because it's worth it because she's a great friend of mine and ah, it, yes i owe her a video about this i think i just knocked down every book in my shelf yeah <laughs> listeners <laughs> need to know i just went to the shelf uh it's called the self-care mindset by jeanette Bronet. um she's all about and this is perfect for you because you love superheroes and star warsy like things and you know you know uh what are it called may the pause be with you yeah it is really good and uh rethinking how we change and grow harness well-being and reclaim work-life quality she does a spectacular job of helping to get in the right mindset of how you really should be in the workplace and how we should be thinking about work and life together a little differently and and, and taking a step back and doing this this pause thing which is 
kind of a big deal these days. Uh, I, I, the best way to think about it is I, I ride the Peloton a lot. You can't just keep pedaling at a rocket ship pace and move and expect to hit the top of the mountain. There is this natural slowdown that you need to do to build up the energy to progress, to go up. So there is no straight line to the moon. You, you, you will have to, you'll crash eventually. You need to basically build the right momentum up. And I think she's got something in that book there that everyone could really benefit from. So long with the answer. I love it. I'm so glad you brought it up too, because I'm going to have her on my show again real soon. Uh, I just got my copy. I owe her a video. I saw early drafts of, of the book and I actually talked about it with her over at NSA influence. And, uh, and, and she said, may the pause be with you. And I was like, girl, you are, you are hitting me <laughs> in the right, right place. You, right in the right yeah, place. Exactly. Like super so that would be All the right. one. Yes. Awesome. That's a good one. All right. So what about, uh, something that you've listened to recently? This has to be gifts for your ears. It could be an audiobook, a podcast, uh, whatever you think of, uh, audiographic novel, something you've yeah. listened to that you think people should listen to. I just listened to Vanderbilt, the rise and fall the audiobook narrated by the last of the Vanderbilt, Anderson Cooper, yes. and who, who recognized himself as a Cooper. Uh, one, I, I listened to it. Uh, so, it, it, and this was now months back when I listened to it. I'm realizing now it was, it was a while back, but uh, it's still so fresh in my mind because when I recorded my own audiobook, I took so many lessons from Anderson in how well he delivered the audio content, and he does have a great voice to listen to. So, um, yeah, so really, really cool. And uh, that that was a great one to listen to. I highly recommend it. It it is by far the most opulent example of how one family spent more money than you could ever imagine in your entire life. Just to understand what the, the ostentatiousness of what went on in the early 1900s, uh, late 18 late 19th century, uh, leading into that, whatever it is, was just spectacular and fa- fascinating to learn about the Vanderbilt. So really cool. That's episode. fantastic. I remember when I was, um, I haven't recorded the audiobook for Lovable Leader yet, but I reached out to you and we talked about yeah. your experience. And I remember you bringing that up to me, but I had forgotten that because, you know, I I lose track of how things are connected. But I remembered that book and I wrote it down and then I was like, who the hell told me about that? And as you were saying, I was like, that's right. Lou told me about that. It book. was so good. It, yeah. it just, just if, and for anyone who wants to re- has to record their own book, and I'm sure there are other authors or people that are thinking about it, go listen because it is the how to in go doing. It's it's a lot of detail and yeah. there's a lot of information. He does a phenomenal job. Awesome. Uh, beginning to end. All right. All right. Awesome. I'll put that in there then. Yeah. All right. What about uh, the next one, which is something that uh, you've watched that you think people should watch? It could be a YouTube, it could be a, a movie, a TV show, it could be yeah. a, whatever you want, as long as it's something that's a, a feast for your eyes. I'm in the midst of severance. I don't know if you've seen this on Apple Plus TV. Oh my God. It is spectacular. Uh, it's actually put together by Ben Stiller. He's the director and writer, writer producer Wait, is of it. it the, I think. the guy who was in Parks and Rec, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, Adam the, Scott is the yeah. actor he's in parks and rec. And the, the premise of this is basically these people have um, partitioned their mind so that when they go into work, they have no memory about the outside world and they only remember the inside world. And when they leave work, they can only remember what, you know, the, the there's like this divide, your brain is severed. From yeah. This. That's and, like, a, uh, there's a premise in office space. That's like that, where it's like, can you just it. hypnotize me? So I think I've been fishing all day. <laughs> a little bit of the opposite of whatever it is, but yeah. um, I'm, it's, it's just getting juicy. I'm not finished with it yet. My daughter has just finished watching it and she literally got on me. She's like, are you current yet? Are you current? Have you seen it yet? Cause she wants to catch up and talk about it with me. So that's, that's dynamite. That, all right, I'm cool. That I, yeah. That's my list. Final one. What's something interesting that you've learned recently that you'd like to share with people? It could be anything from any walk of life, something you've learned recently that you think is interesting. 
I learned I learned how much I appreciate um, Broadway musicals. And, and I'm saying this in regard that I love them. I do see a lot of them. I do live outside the New York area, so I get a chance to see them. And, and they're not all worth seeing. I want to make it clear. Some are just, you know, they're not the A games. But um, I, I just saw I just saw recently two unbelievable shows. I saw Six, which was incredible, which is the story of the Henry VIII's six wives and like an alternate universe about what actually, you know, they give their little story. Who has the worst? Who had it worst out of the six of them? Is that comedy and or musical? It's it's a little bit of both. It's a musical. Oh, and it's, yeah. and they're, incre- they're, they're awesome. That was awesome. Great show for those who've seen it. And the other one um, was the MJ show which was the best dancing I've ever seen in my life. It's it's uh, basically Michael Jackson on the beginning of his dangerous tour in 1992. And, uh, you know, forgetting all the other stuff that happened with Michael, yeah. but just to appreciate his raw talent and the music and the show and the dancing and the guy who was the lead, who won the Tony for it. It was it was unbelievable. It was yeah. like game change. So I've learned you have to appreciate these shows. And as someone that performs on stage, just to see the energy that they bring Every single night is something that I, I, I you have to understand the importance of recharging and being able to deliver that, whether in a podcast or on a stage or on a show. So it, it's a reminder to me when I see that stuff, just appreciate how incredible they are. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've never really been a huge fan of musicals. I, I'm more open to them now in my older age than I used to be. But I will say similarly, as, as someone who's on stage, I, uh, I find that the performance aspect that regardless of if I like the writing or the story or whatever, just the fact that someone's putting in that work to that craft to show up and make it fresh and new. And the first time every night that they go out there and that there's like movement and song and dance, even if that's not my thing, I can appreciate that there's an artistry and a craft that goes into it's amazing. I also think musicals have gotten, they, they hit the fast forward button and they are as modern as can be. I mean, basically think pop culture has now become musicals and, and and they're taking either movies or songs or stories that happened in our lifetime, Jeff, that not in not in a classical West Side story, you sound know, fiddler on the roof Oklahoma. sound of music type thing. Yeah. Which by the way, these things are amazing onto themselves. And that was an era back Classics. then. But the ability to bring this stuff uh on stage and put it in a creative format today is incredible with with the highest of that level being Hamilton, uh, which is something that if you haven't seen I know, you know, everyone's trying to go see it. It's that good and that incredible. Bringing all of pop culture, history, lessons, cool stuff together. That 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 stuff's amazing. So I, I love all that stuff. That's awesome, man. All right, cool. Now to the shareableness of your story and what we're going to yeah. talk about today. This whole idea of great conversation. So uh, I want to I want to just call out at the beginning that you've just written and released a book, both in audio and ebook and paperback available where everybody, all books are sold, right? It's called Speakeasy. Um, and just for the people listening, just so we have context for the conversation that we're about to have, what is the book about? Why'd you write it? What, yeah. What's that piece about? So uh, as someone that speaks about connecting and as a consultant, a podcaster, a conversationalist, if, if you would, I've been having a lot of conversations and realizing how important they are. And I'm realizing that what was the connection between conversations and connection? And I realized, simply put, that every connection in our lives begins with a great conversation. But we know that not every conversation is so great. Some conversations pass. We don't make, we don't connect with it. It's fleeting. The 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 opportunity is lost. If it's in a business meeting, the sale is not made. Uh, on a first date, doesn't turn into a second date. There's a lot of things that happen where we don't connect in that conversation. But what if we did? What if every single time we engage in a conversation, we made the connection? What if 
we learned how to connect, engage, and win with every conversation that we had in our lives to make us grow, move, learn, thrive in everything that we do, all starting from that great conversation. And simply put, what if we had a playbook that can deliver that exact formula so that you can be ready before, during, and after every conversation to know not what you need to say, not what you need to do, but Jeff, how you need to be in every conversation. That's why I wrote Speak Easy from a lot of the lessons. You and I have learned a lot of them and you know a lot of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think what's real important is that I kind of decoded exactly this thing that I bring to every show that you say I'm always on. This energy that I want to try and uplift every conversation I have so that I can make the connection with the person I'm trying to be with. It is that that I'm trying to deploy to the world so that everybody else can use these lessons on how to speak easy in every conversation they have so they can be better leaders, better marketers, better salespeople, better podcasters, better speakers, better, better people, and be able to use the power of connection that much easier. That's why I wrote it. And that's what it's about. So, you know, I'm a superhero guy, you know, I'm I into love the your world of the superhero stuff, one, you know, you need to be super. It's one of the yeah, key things. It, it's true. And, uh, and I believe you were one of the, the only people that I've ever spoken with on a podcast or anywhere else that actually gave me my own superhero intro music. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, which is <laughs> very did. cool. But so, super, so the Superman theme, you got a lot of, you got a lot very, of, it was very that. cool. Um, so my question for you then is. Um, superheroes come in a lot of different flavors and, and yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to go into like the, what defines a hero, anti-hero or villain, forget that just super powered enabled individuals typically fall into one of these camps. They're a Superman. They're born that way. They're otherworldly alien that has some sort of a natural ability. They are, um, something happened to them where they were mutated in some way, like an X-Men character or something. Yeah. Uh, well, well that's, that's the third one, which is, oh. uh, or, or yeah, I guess that's, he's um, mutated. He got bit by a spider, right? Yeah. It's kind of weird. <laughs> he's kind of, he's kind of in the middle one or they train like a Batman, right? Like, so like something, right. something traumatic happens to them and they devote their lives to a thing. They, they train Spider-Man's kind of in like that weird kind of X-Men radioactive mutated. Like it happened later in life, but whatever it is, the point is there's people who something happens to them and they change and they can't help but be the other way because of the traumatic thing. And then there's people that can't help but uh, sit and rest on their lords and they have to change. And there's people that are born a certain way. I don't know which camp you fall into because I think there's probably all the great conversationalists that I've ever met and, and even myself being a relatively good conversationalist, I think. I think there's a part of it that's nature. Right. Like it, there's just some people who are more comfortable with other people or they're more extroverted or whatever. And then there's the people who work really hard at it because there's a side of me, the ADHD, slightly autistic side. That's like I decode people and I have to figure out the framework of interacting with them. And I love how your book is like a it's like a cookbook for great conversations. Like you can just follow it. It's great. It's amazing. Um, how where would you say that you fall in that mm -hmm. kind of spectrum of different types of superheroes in your conversations goes? You know, as you were saying it, I, I think I was realizing that it isn't uh, an either or. I think it's all three, and and, and I want to make it clear how how we'll do it. First of all, that um, I believe that we're all born with the superpower. I think we all have something super inside of us. I think all of us are Superman or yep. Superwoman or somebody from Krypton, whatever it is. We're alive. We all, yes, we all have something inside of us. There, I believe that the nurture component of our lives helps to bring forth and unleash some event in our life is that mutated event that stimulates and helps to unearth the superpower that we have inside of us. I believe that it could be a circumstances of work. It could be something personal that happens to somebody. It could be 
a tragic incident that uh, someone has to deal with. I, I just got off the phone before I talked to you with Amberly Lago, who had a tragic accident that happened to her since she was a fitness instructor. And literally she suffers from an, uh, an unstoppable pain. She has this disease that literally she's suffering constant pain all the time that she became um, an addict to, to painkillers and, and alcohol. And she had to quit all of that and, is a, and a recovering addict at that and is now inspiring people to help them overcome for resiliency and take them to the next level, which is incredible because she was already doing this as this person, a fitness instructor in her life beforehand. She did that kind of like take the dip down and then come back up. Yeah. But all of us need to do the Batman. You see, because um, LeBron James, and whether you like him as a basketball player or not, at whatever point or enough, he's one of the greatest basketball players ever, as was Michael Jordan. You can either one of these guys. The reason that they had the God given ability, they, they, uh, Michael's stimulation was not making the, the basketball team in ninth grade and failing to make it. And that drove him to create this drive and passion of incredible competitiveness. And LeBron is the hardest working person in the world. This guy at four in the morning is doing like reps that, that are so insane and so crazy after a basketball game because they're doing the Batman thing to maintain that superpower and appreciating it. I think they're putting in the hard work. So true superheroes, I, I think, have all three. And 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 I, I don't want to distinguish one from the other uh, one because I, I'd be I. Yes, I'm a natural born communicator and I'm a very chatty person. But let's make it clear, the work that I've put in have been all the conversations I've had in business and in life and on the podcast show. So so I do believe that it's the the melding of all three that has made me thrive loud and speak easy. So what was the tragic Batman moment or the uh, unusual, unfortunate mm -hmm. Spider-Man bitten by a spider moment for you? Is it something that happened to you? Is it something you recognized that was going on with someone yeah. else? Like what triggered for you that there's this thing called conversations that have immense, you know, uh, possibility to do things like what was the thing that triggered for you that you were like, I need to make this part of my life's work? I, th I think I think to this. So this was the it wasn't like a snap moment, but but I do believe that there were incidences that kept hinting to me that these were things I needed to be focused on more. Um, I got a taste of the entrepreneurial spirit after working in traditional consulting in the early 90s and in the late 90s helped with a company that helped to start the Internet, this company organic. We were building the first websites and working with that environment was incredible, fun, exciting engaging and it was bringing all these consulting superpowers and connecting skills and conversations because I ran business development for the whole company. So it was that enlightening thing. And then it crashed like because the internet bubble burst and that was call it that my step down, if you would, you know, that being slowing down before having to go back up. And then I went to work on Wall Street and did very well there. And obviously there was a lot of stress and issues, 2008, one of those. And, and interestingly, I was in a side of the business that after 2008, my business was where it really kicked off and thrived. But talking about conversation, I, I we were in a culture that was changing and was not the place where I needed to be because I was doing great stuff and doing things uniquely in the way that I was having conversations. Didn't know that that's what it was. But it took somebody exemplifying all the things that you should not do in a conversation and, and somebody being disrespectful and ungrateful and not listening and almost not paying attention that really just said, I need to get out of this environment. Because I saw that and said, that is a place that I want to be in. I cannot connect with that. I didn't know it at the time. And it took many years later to say, it still sticks in my mind as one of the ways you should not be when you have a conversation. 
But I also knew from my clients and from someone who I helped when I was basically moonlighting. There was a moonlighting incident where I was working on Wall Street and I helped another guy with his business and I went to this trade show. Fast forwarding this whole story, in a two and a half day trade show, I helped him close more business than he's ever done in seven previous years at that show. And when I came back, he asked me to write down what ended up being Master of the Art of Connecting, the first book I wrote. And that led me to wanting to help others follow this lesson and start what ended up being Thrive. So, so those incidences of building up in a lifelong career of understanding how people need to connect and how businesses need to connect is where connection became the impetus. Only until I really got to flex the muscle and do the Batman thing did I get to really unleash the superpower of how I can be as a conversationalist, as a podcaster, and connect with my voice in ways that would actually help uplift and move people and provide a value in an environment that said, there's a lesson in just how I'm having these conversations that everyone needs to learn. So pulling that all together, I'd say those, those little milestones and moments made me who I am, continue to make me who I am better, and, and make it clear that that it is a nonstop working process. You got to keep doing the Batman thing. You got to keep, you know, practicing your skills and, and honing in on them. And it's not that the superpowers will fade. It's that you can make yourself that much more super. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I hear someone's voice in my head and it's someone that we both know. So I'm hearing you talk about this. I'm hearing you talk about the journey and the various ways in which you succeeded. I'm hearing you talk about how you got your start with the first book and how you had, you know, this unusual success in this difficult environment. So in my head, I hear our mutual friend, Doug Sandler, who <laughs> on his show occasionally asks his guest, okay, uh, be relatable or be vulnerable. Tell us how you suck, right? Or tell us something you suck at. So similarly, I'm curious, what are some of the things along the way as you were developing this for yourself and, and not even... I don't want to get yet to where you're consulting other people, but just as you're trying to identify and figure this thing out and you're trying yeah. to codify the process and you're trying to get better at this and build your skills, places where you maybe failed miserably or maybe just had some small setbacks and you realize you had to make a, a, a change of things. What are some of those areas just so that we understand that even uh, Superman has kryptonite? You can, even if you drink enough Kool-Aid... <laughs> You can start to believe that, you know, your shit doesn't stink is, is kind of that's combining two terrible analogies together. Yeah. But what ended up happening when people were telling me how unique the idea was on how I help people connect. I was so excited to tell people about it that I was presenting and saying that they needed this and, and explaining to companies that almost forcing my situation in my hand into that situation and realizing I almost to the point that I was blind to the fact to say that I didn't understand why they weren't seeing the value of what this was. So where I thought everyone would be buying this stuff, like, you know, crack on a stick off the shelf and basically be like, definitely, I want to have this. That didn't happen initially. And I realized it had to do with an interesting tactic that I wasn't embracing one of the key things about speakeasy, which was, um, listening and asking, be listening and asking to others. I was actually talking and telling. I was I was preaching and talking and telling about all the stuff that was there. And I realized this is not working the way that I thought it would. This is not, they're not hiring. Like some people are getting the value when they would get the value. They say, this is totally great, but why aren't they getting it right away? Why don't they want this? What What's going on? And, and, and here I was 
saying maybe there was something wrong with the product or the offering or the solution or whatever whatever I was offering to somebody else. But then I started to realize, wait a minute, let's look at myself here. Where am I failing? And I realized that key learning aspect was we have to engage in that currency that we all need to exchange when it comes to trying to connect with others. And I was trying to just take and take and take and not give and give and give. The reality is, is that we connect and use the currency of help when help is being offered. That The connection currency is help. When I want to connect with another individual, I need to understand where that person needs the help and how I can help them. Not tell them how I can help them without understanding where they may or may not need help or not. And it sounds really funny, but this was this was a problem that I saw in other salespeople. But you know, the greatest brain surgeons can't operate on themselves. And I was, you know, so confident in the way I would do things because confidence is something I'm, I'm that comes out of me often. Uh, but let's make sure it's important that you need to be a little humble and embrace when you, when it isn't working, and say, "Where am I not drinking my own Kool Aid? Where am I not doing the most important lesson?" And making sure that that became a big priority putting forward the importance of asking and listening and being curious first versus putting yourself aside. We need to be in a, a second, in a coaching term, this is listening level two, where we're so focused on the person with, just as I am in a podcast interview, just as I am in any conversation, that I'm never making it about me. Because we all can talk and make it about ourselves. But the only time we're allowed to provide that information ourselves is when We've been given permission to do so. Asking for permission, we became one of the key things. And I would hear somebody's problem and need to reshape the way they message it. Instead of telling them, let me tell you why you need this. Nobody wants to hear that. Would you like to hear an idea that may help you or not? That they're willing to hear. That slight difference in, 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 in that shifted my entire way of thinking on how I marketed my business. And I did start to see improvements from that learned failure because you can go in with such confidence and people will love what you have. But if it doesn't solve their problem and you aren't exchanging the help and not giving the help that's going to make them grow, make them thrive, make them learn, make them better, make them the better version of what you think they can be, then then you're going to fail. So it's real important that that's the understanding that that happens. And it took my own failure, my own cockiness, if you would, to, to And so much talking and telling that I was missing a real key point about how I could help other people. I love so much about that. that I want to highlight the point about asking for permission because in my book, The Lovable Leader, I have a framework called Sitting on the Same Side of the Table. And at the beginning and the end of it, I talk about the importance of consent. Yeah. So in that conversation, making sure that the person you're having a conversation with consents to the conversation. And then when you get to the end and you get to the next steps and what's happening, you need to make sure that they consent to that as well. And not like a BS consent, like, like you're forcing them and they have to say, but like genuinely that they invite it, that they are on the same page that you are aligned because it's only then that you're actually going to get true buy-in and alignment on what you're trying to do. So I just want to point that out and highlight that. Another thing I want to double back to though is you were talking about this being a, a problem that you see a lot in salespeople, the the yeah. not listening, the telling, the talking through it and how you struggle with that. I'm curious now shifting from your own personal experience to now working with other people. You're, you're advising people on how to have great conversations through the book, through the podcast and by example, but also interacting with them and coaching with them. 
if you were to pinpoint maybe one or two things that you think comes up more than anything else that is a difficulty in having better conversations, in having the speakeasy framework kind of flow through you, what would you say are the places where people get tripped up more than anything else? In the sales aspect, what I what I see the most is this almost excitedness to talk and tell about the solution that they have, something they've done for somebody else, something that they currently have put on the market, a new product and offering, a new software solution, how much better they are than everybody else. Uh, there, there, There's a lot of what I would call the stuff you can throw in an appendix in a PowerPoint presentation that somehow pops forward to the very top of a sales presentation often because the people who aren't always as connected to those that they're trying to sell to leadership, marketing, different departments, the, the guy who's developed the new product development, who's only talking about the stuff that they do because that's his job, right? Um, but what people don't understand is when they're, they're helping to sell, there's, it's very, it, this is in the challenger sales method. This is very much um, a very big focus. And, and there's lots of derivatives of sales methods, but challenger does something really interesting, which is, you mutually come to the problem together with the prospect and client you're dealing with. And that's because you're having a great conversation about their business, their solution, their, their issues, their challenges, and you're coming together really with where the big problem is. Jeff, two, that takes a lot of time and that takes a lot of confidence and skill. It's a lot easier to tell someone, here's what here's what we're doing for somebody else. Here's what our solution solves. Here's the problem. We're so tempted to give the answer before asking any questions, even though this particular company might be the answer and anybody can go to the website and fast track and figure out what they do. But salespeople today and yesterday and the days before, uh, we're so focused on having to tell everyone how great they are and why they're different and why their solution is better than their competitor, and they're worried about that, that they're missing the big, biggest thing of all, which is why they're needed in the first place, how they're going to help. So my job often is to get them off of presenting and let them engage in a conversation. Uh, I often talk about this, that that's the most common thing I see, Jeff, is that they're so focused on the time and the issue and whatever it is. And it only takes a few really good questions to then engage in the conversation that is most relevant to them. Uh, PowerPoint march of death, uh, this, the the you know telling everyone who works at the company and why the company is so great. The logo slide, which is my favorite, which is you'd love this. You've probably seen this, right? Someone comes in and they show here are all the companies that we've worked for, and there's like tons of logos, like every brand, every major company, and you see it and you think that's what's going to be really sexy. When in reality, when you lead with that particular slide, which people, by the way, do, look at these great clients that have already hired us, it actually says something else. Here's everybody that's not you. That's what that slide says. When you think about it, when you're in a room and you're pitching your capabilities, the only logo that's not on there is the one that you're trying to add to that mix. It, it's amazing to me that this even exists. This is stuff you can throw in the appendix, you can throw on your website, you can put in places. It doesn't need to be in the conversation. The only conversation that matters is, What's the current problem you're going through in that particular area and where we may be able to help? That's it. And if you get through that part, then you could dive down into the product specs, who you've worked for before, give you some other references, all that stuff. That's a secondary conversation. 
too often what I just explained, it, it's everywhere. And and yeah. and it, and I only think it happens because there's so many other people pressuring sales to message for the content that they have versus doing the real hard work, which is how do I feel comfortable having that good conversation to dig in and understand what that organization needs the most from us. I love it. And and it highlights also um, another thing about specifically as it relates to sales, I think about asking questions. You also rob yourself of the opportunity of deciding, is this someone I even want to work with? Yeah. I had a lead recently that came in and we, we you know, kind of fast tracked into like the pitch and the, we're going to get to a proposal. And before we sent the proposal, I went and I looked at their website and I thought, I don't really like their values. This doesn't align with me. This isn't the type of company I want to be able to attach my name to and say, I help them. They're not my people. I'm going to bow out. And had I not, and and honestly, had I not fast tracked through that and gotten right into the sales conversation, I might've actually gathered some of that information and said, okay, this probably isn't going to be a good fit. Let me recommend someone for you. And actually being able to tell someone this isn't a good fit, I think is a really, it's a really interesting opportunity to showcase your integrity of who you are and what you're about in a way that is not necessarily confrontational, but is is saying like, I have enough integrity to let you know when you're not a good fit for me. And I'm going to introduce you to someone who might be. Let's make it very clear. There's a tremendous power in saying no right now. Absolutely. Yep. And when you come in and you say, listen, this looks great. We'd love to be able to help you with what these needs are. We can set up the meeting. But right now, you know, there's a certain gel that isn't happening and, and we'd be better off. I want to, I want to, we don't want to waste anyone's time and have the conversation that's just going to get to a point where you get to the same conclusion. So it's real important to know who is a good fit and who you think is a good connection in business. Now, early on, when you're a little bit more hungry and need to bring in more business, you're more open to, like, it's like dating, right? You're yeah. dating lots of people initially because you're not exactly sure what you like or who you like or will anyone like you, right? But after a certain amount of time with that dating, eventually you start to realize the type of you know person that you're better off dating and who that is. And that universe starts to get smaller and smaller, so much smaller that it probably ends up just being one person, right? That's where we're trying to get to. So you have to think kind of like that way as it relates to doing business. But it's even more important to just recognize to your very astute point, not every connection is going to fit, but at least you know where that, that you can connect on that point and you could have a conversation about that. You'll earn respect, you'll earn trust, and maybe down the road, someone that they've done business with who connects to somebody else says, I've got somebody for you and they refer you business when it does make sense and the fit is better. And to the to what you said in the book, and I'm just going to harken back to the very beginning of the episode, every conversation is a gift. And if you can take that conversation, still engage in it and take in the same process and learn from it, maybe who you're not a good fit for, or have a conversation where somebody can see what you're about so that they can know who you're a fit for, that can come back to help you in the end. So I, I think there's so much there. Um, I want to wrap on this point, which is um, looking at what happens when this all goes well. All right. So we have a premise in mind that better conversations makes for a better world, that if more people had better conversations, uh, connect, engage, and win, what does it look like? What's the transformation that could happen to someone in their mm. life if they were to really legitimately take this seriously? Because there's, there's going to be listeners here who are like, yeah, I'm bought in. I'm into it. There's going to be people who are like kind of skeptical. There's going to be people who are already having great conversations and could have better ones. Then there's the people that are listening right now. They're like, you know what? I really think I could do better from having better conversations. I would love to learn more about how to do it. Sell us on what that looks like on the other side. What does that do for someone in their life to have these better conversations? Oh. 
Great question. The the first of all, I think it's important to recognize that we never hit a peak of where we're the best. <laughs> there is no such thing of I'm the best. This is the best I can do. We actually have an endless appetite for growth and knowledge and effectiveness. We we may have performance issues at certain points, but and we're probably at our best in what we can turn around and deliver, but make it clear our ability to connect with others is this wonderful appetite that we will never satiate throughout our lives. When we make connections with people and we have these better conversations, in our future conversations with these people, things happen faster, problems are resolved quicker, opinions are more equally shared. There is a sense if you're a leader and you offer the ability for people to have communi um, communication and conversations and environment in a free way, there's less drama, there's, there's less political tension, there's better listening, and change is adapted to faster and quicker. And I, I want to make this point that when issues and problems come up and we don't have the conversations that we need to to address them, they kind of fester, right? Like, you know, the, the I, I always say that, you know, the uncomfortable conversation or the 800 pound gorilla in the room, when we address that problem simply, we're going to get quicker and faster to the things we need to. Business is never perfect every day. It's never perfect in the end in, in any way. But we aim for some kind of perfect because we think that's what it's supposed to be. What we're supposed to be aiming for is an environment that we are able to thrive and succeed in and only continues to grow to get better. And that's a connected culture of great conversations and trying to figure that out. Because the answer today for your business and what's the best solution right now is totally different from what it'll be in six months from now, six years from now, six minutes from now in some instances. So know that what the power of conversations enables you to do, Jeff, is it enables you to, as I like to say on my show, thrive, to move onward and upward in every aspect of your life, personal or business. So what it looks like is creating that trusted environment where you can have a really good connection, where you can take on the difficult problems, the difficult conversations, the uncomfortable moments, the, the, the down days, not just the up days, in a way that gets the problem resolved faster and gets you moving onward and upward in a better way. All right, right now, I'm gonna give listeners my recommendation. I want you to go buy four books. And if you read these four books and you study these four books, I am willing to guarantee if you read them and you study them and you and you put these into practice and you don't have a better life within like a year, email me and I will I will <laughs> buy the books from you. Um, first is Speak Easy by, by our guest here, Lou Diamond. The second is going to be The Good Fight by Leanne Davey. The third is going to be Exactly What to Say by our friend Phil M. Jones. And the fourth is going to be, I'm putting you in exclusive big time company here, buddy. How to Win Friends and Influence People mm. by the, the master Dale Carnegie. If you read these four books and you don't have better relationships, better conversations, less drama, less conflict, better results, then I will buy those books from you gladly. I'm always happy to have another copy of each of those on my shelf. That's my recommendation to you out there, listeners. That, that is that is high regard. I've, I'm honored and flattered even more than I was just to be on the show right now. So <laughs> then, then we're doubling down on it, man. <laughs> Listen, I I I one just want to thank you for your time coming on. I know you're a busy dude. We got this scheduled. It's awesome to talk to you always. A um, couple things I want to do. One, I want to give you a chance to just shamelessly self-promote. This is like mm -hmm. the, the, we've been talking about your stuff, but we haven't been promoting. We've just been talking about it. This is the shameless self-promotion. Tell people where they can go and find out about you, learn about you, connect with you, buy your book, do the whole thing, whatever you want to talk about. This is your part in the show. 
So listeners, if you're interested in grabbing a copy of Speakeasy, print, audio, digital, you can go to speakeasybook.com. And that's actually going to route you to where everything you can learn about me is, which is at thriveloud.com, T-H-R-I-V-E-L-O-U-D.com. That's Thrive D if you really want to decode that. So and <laughs> he loves that. Jeff always loves that. And keep in mind that um, when you get there, you're also going to come across the Thrive Loud podcast, which is what where I've actually met Jeff. And you should definitely go back and listen to his Lovable Leader episode because talk really about a conversation episode. we had. That we really was. We had a, we had a ton of fun. Um, and there's lots of great content and great conversations there. And you can judge for yourself if Jeff is correct that I always bring my A-game and my energy into every conversation. I try I'm to. Right. You, right. you may be. Who I'm knows? Right. I don't think he's 100% yeah. right. He's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, uh, please, listeners, go and check that out. Um, the last part of the show, I always do this, is that, um, you know, I have my book, The Lovable Leader. I really think that the idea resonates when I say lovable leader of people. It usually produces in their mind. They think of someone. And just to highlight the characteristics, this is a person, when I say lovable leader in your head, hopefully you think of someone. And ideally, when you think of that person, someone that you think, this person cared about me. This person is someone that I trusted. And this person created an environment where I felt safe to pursue the big goals that I had set for myself or they set for me. That's the type of lovable leader that I tend to like to think about. And I think that's what that sort of crystallizes in people's heads when I say that word. So at this point in the show, what I like to do is I mute myself and I'd like you to speak directly to that person. This is an oh, wow. on-air thank you, a moment of gratitude for a person in your life who showed up as a lovable leader. Sometimes people say it was a parent. Some people say it was an old boss. Sometimes it was a colleague who maybe you even, they reported to you. But I want to know, Lou Diamond, who is the lovable leader, lovable leader in your life that you would like to say thank you to? So I've already said thank you to to my wife, who uh, the book was dedicated to. And I've many times on different podcast shows, I thank my father, who is an entrepreneur and a business person. But this message goes to my mother, uh, my mom, who is a spectacular coach. And she is she had me very young. So she still is very young, of course, uh, because I'm not that old either. But my mother uh, has the ability in her job to listen tremendously and provide really good advice and is a wonderful listener. Those abilities that I have to ask and listen somewhere deep down come from her. Now, I love it. I always usually get her on the vent where she's been listening all day and then we'll get her talking and stuff like that where she gets to finally let it all out. But having known exactly what that's like, um, I am incredibly appreciative of her for providing me with the ability to understand how important it is to listen and to ask those questions. So to my mom, that's why I give that thanks to you. So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message or hit me up on social media. I'm easy to find, but there's links in the show notes just to make it easy. Seriously, I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, there's a couple things you could do, starting with subscribing to the show. And after that, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show five stars and leave a review. Consider sharing this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. Or just buy me a latte or an old-fashioned by hitting up that tip jar. If you're looking for a good book to read, may I suggest The Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. It's built exclusively for brand new managers, and it's a handbook that will serve you well in your journey of leadership. Just search for Lovable Leader wherever books are sold online. And finally, if you're interested in working with me or checking out any of my other projects, go to jgibbard.com. That link, as well as every other link mentioned, will be found in the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and seriously, share this episode with someone. I'll see you on the next episode of Shareable. Thanks for listening.
This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.